9 in 10 people subscribe to a streaming service in the US and half of those have three or more of the top five SVODs. Free ad-supported streaming looks like it will be just as popular. Listen on to find out more. And welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon from InScreen Media at the beginning there. Hey, Colin, how is everything going? It's great. I just uh, got back from a quick jaunt over to Las Vegas. I was talking with TiVo's operator customers. And uh, while I was there, Will, I bumped into one of our listeners, Alvin Ritz. He was, I had a nice conversation about with him about what he was up to. And he tells me he listens to us while he's doing his gardening. So uh, Alvin, if you're listening, watch out with that lawnmower. Don't run over your foot. Uh, we don't want to be responsible for that, Colin, do we? We don't, we don't. And I really, I, I love talking with uh, people that listen to the podcast, Will. So if you see Will and I, come over and tell us where you listen and chat with us. Let us know uh, some of the topics you'd like us to, to cover in the podcast because we love to talk with you. Yeah, that sounds great. And we have a couple of news stories we're going to talk about here first this week. And then we're going to explore some new data some new re, uh, survey data from Hub Research that you and I were both watching this week. So I think that I am going to go ahead and get us started. And uh, we were both watching Disney's earnings this week, reported this week, to see how Disney Plus is doing. Of course, all eyes were um, focused on Disney Plus's performance after Netflix's recent stumble. And actually, Disney Plus came in well above what um, the estimates were. So estimates estimates were in sort of the four to five million subscriber additions for the quarter, and they actually added 7.9 million Disney Plus. So that's a pretty strong quarter for them. Um, it's down a bit from the 8.7 that they had gained, 8.7 million that they gained a year ago. Um, but it was an acceleration from just this prior quarter uh, that was at 1.2 million. And that was obviously the, um, you know, that was a quarter where people were starting to question whether Disney plus was really slowing down. So I, I think it sounds good for them. Um, I think it was a strong quarter. Is that what, what's your take? Yeah, I think so. Will actually, interestingly, um, in North America, they gained slightly more subscribers between Q1 and Q2 2022, that's their fiscal Q1 yeah. and Q2, that is, 1.5 million in North America uh, than they did in the same period last year where they only gained 1 million. So, yeah, it seems that things seem to be going pretty well at Disney+. Plus. Exactly. So uh, looking at Hulu, Hulu's, I think Hulu's growth is slowing well. They gained uh, half a million subscribers between Q1 and Q2 for the SVOD service, and they actually lost 200,000 for Hulu Live, so for a net gain of about 300,000. I think that's probably the least number of subscribers that Hulu has gained between quarters in quite a while. They're still ahead of the game. They're still 8% up on a year ago. But uh, I think things are slowing there. But uh, one place things aren't slowing is ESPN Plus. My goodness, 
it's growing like Brilio. It, uh, it added 5% more subscribers between the quarters. That's about 1 million. No, not about. It was 1 million. And uh, they're 62% up from where they were same time last year. All the way back then, they were at uh, 14 oh, 13.8 million and now they're 22.3 so uh, they're they're signing up people as fast as they can to to watch uh, a lot of the they've been signing deals where people like with wwe uh, where people have to be subscribers in order to get the pay-per-views and i think that's that that approach is really working well for them Sounds like it is. You're right. So the other big news that caught my eye will was Chicken Soup for the Soul buying Redbox. And boy, there's a name we don't talk about much on the podcast. Redbox, of course, went public uh, via a SPAC about a year or so ago. Um, and they've really been hit badly by the pandemic. Uh, one of the things that, of course, happened was theaters closed and so there were no new releases and that's the bread and butter for Redbox kiosks. That's what get, gets people there using the kiosks and that, boy, they really suffered. So they had to get some bridge funding. Uh, and anyway, Chicken Soup for the Soul has stepped in. This is basically a stock deal. Uh, they, I think there's, they're assuming 250 million in debt and, uh, they pay 50 million in cash, but basically it's a stock deal with, um, Chicken Soup for the Soul earning, owning 75% of the company and, um, stockholders of Redbox owning 25%. And it was really interesting. I was reading what the, the CEO of Chicken Soup for the Soul had to say about the deal. His name is Bill Ruhan, and he talked about lots of synergies between the company. Of course, Chicken Soup for the Soul is really focused on uh, free viewing. So they've got Crackle, they've got Popcorn Flicks, and a couple of other properties as well. And of course, they've just launched a Chicken Soup for the Soul channel. And all of this is available uh, ad-supported, free to view. And he talked about the fact that Redbox has been really focused on building out an app footprint for its 40 million users online to help them transition to digital. And so they've already built a transactional video business. They have a PVOB business and they have fast channels, fast TV TV channels in their app, 130 fast channels, he says. And he says that that was something that Chicken Soup for the Soul needed. And uh, he also said that they needed what Chicken Soup for the Soul has, which is a whole bunch of movies and films um, and Avod rights as well. And so he sees that this is a really good combination for the two. And I think he's probably right. I think they probably, the two of them can help each other out. The only thing, the only thing that really worries me about this deal, Will, is uh, for it to be really profitable, I think he really needs the p- kiosks to recover. And I-, I got a feeling that there could be a problem with that because a lot of the movie studios now are going from uh, the th- release in theaters pretty much direct to releasing in their SVOD services. Yeah. And I-, I have a feeling that that could really hurt the recovery. What do you think? Yeah, I hear you. That's certainly the trend, if not releasing movies um, day and date on in theaters and uh, 
on their estimate services that started to happen during the pandemic. So, yeah, it, it does seem like DVD is going to be um, kind of uh, caught in that squeeze. But, um, you know, they have a huge footprint still. And that business has been in decline for a while, but I think it's still a pretty solid cash generator, Redbox. So seems like Chicken Soup probably got a pretty good price for the uh, company. And, and as you said, they have some technology that, that's valuable. Yeah, yeah, and I th- I really think that they they can use those kiosks as Redbox has been, which is helping that the individuals that are actually uh, still using them transition more to a digital model. I think they're in a really good position to do that. So you know, hopefully, Chicken Soup to the, for the Soul can continue to do that too. Right. So let's see. Do we want to talk about that any further? Do you have anything else on that? Or should we start to transition over to the um, hub research data? No, I think I think we can. Let's take a look at this hub data. It's really good. We we love the hub uh, hub entertainment research data. They've got some new data come come out just recently, right? Yeah, we were watching the hub data that was released this week. And I'm going to talk about a couple of points. Then you're going to talk about a couple of points. Um First up is that we, we are definitely um, still in growth mode when it comes to uh, streaming overall. So Hub found that the mean number of TV services per viewer in 2022 was up to 7.4, and that's more than double the three uh, services from 2018, five years ago, four years ago. So the number has been climbing each year. It was 5.7 in 21, 2021. It was up to 7.4 in 2022. So that's an all-time high for the average number of TV services per viewer that um, Hub has found in its annual survey. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, and actually, then they uh, zero in on SVOD services, and amazingly. SVOD is now, uh, respondents were asked whether they subscribe to a following, uh, to a um, streaming service, an MVPD or virtual MVPD, 89%, almost 9 in 10 of respondents said that they subscribe to an SVOD service, almost, as Hub said, almost universal penetration among U.S. consumers now. And uh, that's pretty impressive. That's up from 77% the prior year. And just to underscore how SVOD has um, moved ahead of, um, or I should say, these are streaming subscriptions, not just SVOD, but all streaming subscriptions uh, at 89%. Um, MVPDs dropped to 62% from 67%, and virtual MVPDs grew from 13 to 18. So if you combine virtual with traditional, there's an 80% penetration rate, which um, is pro- that's probably high. It's, there's certainly some overlap between people who subscribe to a traditional service and then pick up a, a virtual service. So, you know, the reality is probably it's, you know, 65, 70%, give or take, that subscribe to any sort of pay TV service, uh, maybe even less than that, actually, uh, as compared with the 89% on streaming. So it really does show how the world has, um, you know, changed over the last several years. Yeah, I, I sort of like to compare the hub data with what I'm seeing from TiVo. Uh, TiVo's late, latest video trend report was released a few weeks ago now. And what they showed was they showed that uh, the average person has about nine 
service is a little bit higher than the hub hub number. And I was looking at the list of services that hub will ask people about. And what I don't see them calling out is the TV everywhere services. So I think that might be one of the reasons, one of the things that's a little bit different there because um, uh, TiVo does include those. That's that's possibly that's why they're at nine. Um, but the interesting thing about the TiVo data is shown that it's actually flattened out a little bit. Uh, but uh, boy, that pe the penetration, nine in 10 are using a streaming subscription of some description is kind of crazy, Will. I don't think uh, pay TV has ever got anywhere close to that level of usage in the, in the US. Uh, the other thing that really stood out to me about the SVOD data was that uh, Hub asked the people that have a subscription to one of the top big five SVODs. That's Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Prime Video, HBO Max, and Disney+. Plus. They asked how many of those, how many did they subscribe to of the big five? And this this kind of blew me away. 50% now say, say that they are subscribed to three or more of those services. <laughs> that's, that's up from 40% last year and 28% back in 2020. And I, this, what this tells me is that, you know, the last two years have been a revelation for people when it comes to SVOD services, these top SVOD services. And the fact that these guys now are putting their best content is, is, is showing up in the, in their SVOD apps first. It really underlines the fact that if you want to be uh, at, you know, what was it in the zeitgeist, as Ted Sarandos likes to say from Netflix, you've really got to have these top SVOD services. So I, I thought that was really kind of shocking that 50% of, of us who ever have an SVOD service have three or more of them. Uh, I don't how many of how many of the big five do you have? <laughs> I was actually going to ask you the exact same question, Colin. I don't have Disney Plus, um, but I do have the other four. So I would be in the seventeen percent slice that says they have four of the of the big five. How about you? Well, I'm in the thirteen percent. I all do five. have all five. Although, as I've said before, Disney Plus is probably the one I use the least. In fact, I actually use Apple TV Plus way more than I use Disney Plus. So uh, I keep I keep Disney Plus just because I feel uh, I obligated to as an analyst to keep an eye on what's going on in that service but uh, the content that really doesn't resonate that well with me i'm afraid i'm looking at that um chart also colin the number the percentage of people that don't subscribe to any has dropped from 25 percent in 2020 to just 14 percent in 2022 and that sort of ties back to what the data point that i was just talking about 89 percent have some streaming service. So um, 86% of uh, consumers subscribe at least to one of the big, uh, the big five, so to speak. Right, right. So, you know, and that really does speak to the fact that one of the things that people are doing now is that they're stacking services. And boy, uh, you know, I've, I've been watching the steady increase in the Nielsen numbers of the amount of time that we spend watching SVOD services. And when I see this hub data, I can't help thinking that somehow the, uh, Nielsen is underrepresenting just how much streaming is going on, because that's 
that's pretty amazing. I mean, if you if you look, if if most of us have three of those services, then we got to be spending at least thirty thirty five dollars a month on the SVOD services because well, it, you know, any three of them are going to cost at least that, right? And why would we be spending if spending that much if we weren't using them? I I really think that that we must be using them more. Um, there was some actually some interesting stuff from that TiVo data, Will, which actually showed that SVOD services were mostly used during prime time. Um, and that's interesting because they also found that pay TV was still mostly used during prime time. So it really looks to me like SVOD services are competing uh, for time, at least head to head with the pay TV services. So one is definitely replacing the other, at least in 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 viewers viewing time yeah i i think i agree with you on that um so let's see anything else in the hub data that stood out for you colin well we we have to talk about the avod stuff will yeah. that's that that is just pretty amazing right they so they asked uh folks if they watched any free ad supported streaming tv platforms and 58% said that they did. That's up from 48% last year and 40% the year before. And that just really goes to show that this market is, is, is pretty much on fire, Will. It's just growing by leaps and bounds. And I don't know, I, I got a feeling it's going to head and basically reach parity with the number of people using the SVOD services. So that, that I thought really jumped out at me. And they also, the other thing they did, which I thought was really clever of them to, to ask this question. This is one of the things that I wondered about, wondered about a lot. And that is how many people are subscribing to services that have an ad supported tier to watch with ads. Now, we, I know we've talked about this a lot on the podcast in the, in the past, Will. Hulu has maintained that most People that sign up now sign up with ads, and in fact, I, I seem to remember the the number that they were banding about was sixty percent a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, the hub data really seems to confirm this because so basically, what they did was they asked what tier of service users of that service signed up for, and for all, they said any ad free versions thirty nine percent used them. And any ad-supported versions, 46% used them. So more people now are signing up to, uh, on average, are signing up to ad-supported. But boy, that is not even among among the ones that are offering. So Hulu will go to first, right? And the numbers really do seem to support what we've been hearing from Hulu itself, at least what we heard two years ago, because the Hub, hub data says 58% of folks that use Hulu are using the ad-supported tier, and 35 are watching ad-free. And interestingly, HBO Max is the reverse. 28% are watching with ads, and 67% are watching ad-free. And, you know, what's interesting is that, I don't know if you remember, um, around about the same time as HBO Max introduced their ad tier, which was early last year, I think, Discovery Plus also introduced an ad tier and way more people are watching with ads on Discovery than HBO Max. So that's 44% say that they are watching with ads and 52 
are watching ad free. So that when you think about it, that's in about a year, 44% are now watching on that ad supported tier. So way stronger growth in ad supported viewing with Discovery Plus than at HBO Max. And you know the other outstanding information there also is Peacock. Peacock's a little bit different because Peacock, of course, has um, an ad-supported tier that is free, and that's different to all of the other services that the um, that were that Hub asked about. And there, it's overwhelmingly ad-free, um, ad-supported. So that's seventy-three percent versus twenty percent watching ad-free. Um, it's a little bit different. That that one's a little bit different though, because if you subscribe to the first premium tier, you're still watching ads. You're just getting more content. So that will be included there. So it might not be yet 73% are watching for free. That's a very interesting comparison, I think, between all of that uh, data. And um, what we'll do, we'll we'll make sure we give you a link so that you can you can go find this hub data online if you come to our websites doesn't that data really what you just shared really speak to how hbo the brand hbo is still associated with an ad-free experience after you know 40 years 40 years plus of hbo being in the market without ads and um and now with hbo max that users still see that as an ad-free experience and conversely as you said about discovery but also about peacock which of course, right from the get-go in terms of Peacock being launched, they have emphasized um, free as their primary value proposition. They've uh, just recently uh, announced for the first time the number of paying subscribers they have. But Peacock has been very much um, about an ad-supported version. And um, I think you see those two positionings in the market really reflected in the data here. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, um, of course, HBO has historically been an ad-free experience. And I think when people come in to HBO, that's what they expect to see. And, you know, HBO has always cultivated that premium brand. Uh, and that premium brand is is disassociated with seeing advertising. So I think that's probably an expectation of when people come yeah. in. And that's probably why so many people have sort of rejected the idea of switching to an ad-free version. There's an, there's another reason that, that they may not be switching as much, Will, and that's, of course, the difference. Uh, HBO Max is much more expensive than Discovery Plus. It's actually twice as expensive as Discovery Plus. Uh, so, you know, and, and even, even the ad-free version, it's still $10 a month. So, I don't know, if I can afford $10, I might, and I wanted a premium experience, I'd probably stick with that. Uh, stick with the $15 a month level. Um, but, you know, basically every single Discovery brand, there's no ad-free brand, right, in, in, in that clutch, Home and Garden TV and DIY Network and Discovery itself. All of those properties are ad-supported. And you're right, it's the same with Peacock and NBCU and, and Paramount. Um, there's, there's still no ad-free brands inside of Paramount Plus. Um, Showtime, of course, is Paramount's ad-free service. Uh, and uh, that's, um, you know, we don't, we don't know um, how that's doing. They never, they never give out the specific numbers. So, uh, so yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think people associate that premium experience with HBO and that's why they're not switching. 
Well, I think that's all we have for this week, Han, unless you have anything else to add on the hub data. No, I certainly don't. It's well, all I can say is it's well worth uh, getting on their distribution list when they send out these, uh, send out these promos, Will, because there's a, there's a bunch of data in there that we haven't even talked about. Yeah. So uh, well worth taking a look. I agree, and uh, we'll include those links. And I think that's it for this week, Han, right? I do. Nice talking with you as always, Will. Likewise. And thanks, everyone, for listening uh, to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. And we'll see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News. All rights reserved.